Hey guys, welcome to Overcrest. I'm Chris. And I'm Jake. And this is episode 22. Yes, it is. Your show notes say 21. I know. Um, we have a lot to talk about this week. We and do. we have another special guest. Yep. Which, I don't know, have you teased yet? No. Well, yeah, I just posted on Facebook a little okay. while ago. But it's uh, Tyler Christofferson, the uh, co-founder of uh, Cars and Coffee. And also uh, the Cannonball Rally. Yeah, he's a great guy. I thought his last name was pronounced Christopherson. I I don't know. I guess we we'll have, have to ask to him. Ask him. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I guess I'm but not either sure. way, it's gonna be really cool talking to him. He's yep, had he'll some be on cool, later. Cool cars over the years. I've uh, gone re- with the Cannonball Rally. I have done I've, one. I have done one Cannonball. I've rally. done two of them, and I've some experiences and memories. Yeah, they're good times. We'll so we'll talk to him that. about that stuff and. Uh, and uh, go from there on that. So. Yeah, excellent. So before we hop into it too much, I would like to give a shout out to one of our really good sponsors here, Luther Westside Volkswagen. Who we're actually working with to get the Overcrest Forza competition going. Yes, this so will be with very cool. Uh, hopefully it will be uh, at their brand new facility here, which uh, you guys will be able to check out. They are the number one Volkswagen dealer in the country. I tell you this every week, uh, but it's always true. They have the largest selection of Volkswagens and used European cars in the Twin Cities. Um, they are great guys. Chris buys all his cars from them, and so should you. Unless they get screwed by some asshole selling me a 128. That which now- is why you should have bought it from a dealer, <laughs> such as Luther Westside. <laughs> Uh, and you can too. You can find them at westsidevw.com. So I, uh, I have a confession to make. Okay. I really like the snow tires on the 128. You know what I thought you were going to say? What? I really decided I like the Murano cross convertible no, thing or whatever no, that no, is. No. That's, that's never, that's never going to happen. Yeah. You actually thought I'm disappointed that you even thought that was a possibility. Um, so you have, I didn't realize there were snow tires on it. And I th- thought it was just like no seasons. You know, no, all it's, it's full snow tires. They're not even great condition. I mean, they're blizzard, okay. so they're good snow tires. Yeah, it's a quality tire. Um, but they're great. They, okay. it's, it's, <laughs> it's the thing is just awesome in the snow. I drove home in the snowpocalypse, the spring yes. uh, blizzard that we had, and the thing was just killer. It was awesome. For those outside of the state, how much... How many inches of snow did we get I got just this house, last week? At my house, I got 18. That's some places crazy. got... Yeah, some places got 20, which is just... It's almost gone now. It's 50 right. degrees today. All the snow is almost melted. But um, I was doing, so I took the, took Jess out to Target with the kids in that okay. car. It was like super blizzard time. I'm like, well, let's take the car with snow tires. We're bored. We're stranded. Yeah. Whatever. I'm like, hop in. We'll go to the store. I was just realizing you don't have a truck anymore now. I don't. Gone. No truck. Because, yeah, it's like it's no big deal for me to go out in the truck with the big tires on it. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. you can get through anything. But you, yeah, this is like the your The wagon best. has eco tires, so they're junk. So I went out there, and as we left, I started drifting around a pole like a light pole. And I was, I was probably four feet from the pole. So okay. I was really close. That's pretty close. Maintaining control. Yep. Jess was furious. Oh, she really? was so angry. Stop it. What are you doing? Why are you doing this? Why are you <laughs> going to risk hitting this pole? Who are you showing off to? I already love you. Who cares? I'm like, I'm not showing off to anyone. I'm just having fun. I enjoy it. She's like, what are you trying to prove? I'm like, nothing, nothing, nothing at all. Is Were your girls in the car too? Yeah. They were like, wee. 
They okay. were having a great time. Was she? Do you think it was like mom instinct? Like she was worried for no, the kids? No, she was just pissed off that she thinks something could happen. Right. Then I would run into the pole with the car I just bought. <laughs> that she told me not to spend all the money on that I got from the towel. So if I hit something with it, she'd be mad at me. Right. So she was she was pretty furious. She okay. Was not, but I did continue to do it anyway. <laughs> and I do like the term that I saw on... Uh, pole dancing. On social media. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You call it dancing. pole dancing. Which, which, is, I, which it essentially is. And after that, when we left the park, I took the long way through the parking lot and just okay. drifted everything. Like, yeah. through every, like, entrance to everything just to kind of, like, rub it in. Yo. And I'm like, you know how... I, I told her, I'm like, how did I get good at doing this? Because she, she can't do it. She can't, like, okay. accurately... Most people can't accurately drift around things in the snow. I'm like, it's important to just do this stuff so you understand car control. True. And uh, there's been a couple times that I take her out and I've... I did. We did it with a Tahoe, mm-hmm. and I made her drift a pole, but she was like forty feet away from it. Right. But she was able to do it. You know, after some practice. Yeah. No, I it's, think a, it's important it's a good to be able point. to do that. Like you're not just fucking around. It is actually you learn car control. From you do. It. You absolutely do. Um, uh, in other news, the triple zero feature that yes. I shot almost a year ago. I think it was in May. So it's coming up on a year now. Is is finally out in issue zero zero five. Okay. Yeah, and I wanna I wanna maybe talk a little bit about what triple zero is because it's a publication that isn't too well known. Um, and there's kind of a reason for that. I mean, it's it's they don't really have an online presence at all. Right. So you can't go read the features online anywhere. I mean, they'll post a few pictures here and there about what's in the in the issues and stuff like that. It's two hundred fifty dollars a year or a thousand dollars a year if you want a hardcover subscription. Okay. And uh, it's quarterly, and it's almost like you're getting four coffee table books yeah. every year because it's like 200 to 250 pages. You have a couple of these around the studio and they are very impressive. They're very like impressive. It's a book you get. The, the print quality is top notch just like any book that you would get as a coffee table book. Yep. And uh, it, it's absolutely fantastic. Some of the features in there are awesome. So I was really honored um, to be able to do this. It was uh, it was kind of risky because, well, for, let me preface with say what it is. Okay. Is I flew to Berlin to interview Akim Anscheid, yes. who is the man who is in charge of design at Bugatti. Yes. So he's like, I was a little, admittedly a little intimidated at the whole project. And um, I had kind of like a fixer that kind of was like an intermediary. Okay. And he contacted me because he saw some of my work on Jalopnik and um, Stance Works and some other places. He's like, I really like your writing style. You don't seem to give a fuck, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and which is all true. And he's like, I'd like you to be the one to come you know, write about this guy oh, and wow. do this article. I'm like, okay, that sounds that sounds great. When can yeah. we do it? I was curious if you were the one pursuing it, or but it sounds so someone reached someone out to reached you. out to me. Very yep. cool. So, it, well, a little bit weird though is is like, but I have to warn you, there's a chance that you come here and he may not want to meet. He may be busy. He's a busy dude. Okay. I mean, he's head of design at Bugatti. Yeah. So he travels from Berlin to to Wolfsburg. Yo. You know, like every day by train. Okay. He's just a busy guy. He's really busy. He's like he may not have time. You know, it's it's not oh. like he's trying to like blow you off or something. Right. He's but not he just shunning you. It's just he's just busy. He's just a busy okay. guy. That um, does seem, you know, a little bit odd to have such a it, big deal yes. that they can't well, nail it down. It's a big deal to me, but not necessarily but it's to not him. A, he doesn't it's not care. a big deal to him because he doesn't care. Right. You know, he's got all kinds of other stuff going on. He doesn't necessarily care. I mean, he's contacted me now. I really like the feature, blah, blah, blah. It was great. Cool. Um, so that's nice. But yeah. at the time, he didn't really know who I was. Yeah. And so it, it just wasn't a priority did for you, him. Did you know, admittedly, who he was before no. you got this shout out? No. Okay. Most, most designers aren't really known. Yeah, I certainly Unless their name known. is like Pina Farina on the side yeah, of the car. Exactly. Gijario drove, you know, designed the Mark I. And yep. Volkswagen and stuff like that. Most designers aren't known. I bet, like, 
he's the only modern designer I can actually think of to name other than Chris Bangle, who I detest. Oh, yeah, so the BMW it, guy. The BMW guy. Um, we'll get into that later, too. Okay. I want to talk about him a little <laughs> bit. Um, so I... It was, it was, I was like, okay, well, I don't even know if this is going to work. Yeah. So then I, I reached out to um, Panorama, okay. who's a, another magazine I work for. It's the PCA magazine. Yep. They, they never emailed me back. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I, had you done a feature with them before? Oh, I've done a bunch. That's what I thought. Yeah, yeah, I've done a bunch. They're, okay, uh, well, that's odd. I don't want to get into that too much, but <laughs> okay. uh, they didn't no, email well, me back. And uh, so then I started, I, I talked to my buddy Pete Stout, who used to be the editor for Panorama, and now okay. is the editor and excellence and a few other things. And oh, now really? He, he branched off from Panorama to start Triple uh, Zero. Okay. And I'm like, hey, you know, what do you think of this feature? Do you want to do it? It's an old vintage 911 owned by the head of design, design for Bugatti. Bugatti, yeah. It's a really interesting story because, you know, he's a designer. Why would he choose to do this car? I mean, he mm-hmm. could do anything. I mean, he, he, I mean, he makes good money, right? I would imagine. Yeah, so he could basically <laughs> buy and do anything. Um, but he chose to do this project. Sure. Um, which is basically, it's a really, it's a, it's kind of a, a project that was based on reduction, right? It's like how yeah. how minimal. Well, I would I would say reduction reduction is is selling too short. It's it's distilling the essence of what he thought this nine eleven should be. Right. Right. Because I, I admittedly I read the article okay. um, that you wrote and admittedly like you're ashamed. No, no, no. <laughs> admittedly being like I got it ahead of time. Yeah, I said you know what you. I mean. Yeah. So. Yeah, admittedly. <laughs> uh, no, but it's, it is a really cool story about how he basically has, like, the distillation or super pure concept of what he thought this car should be or could be. Right. And I don't know how much you want to tease away or give away in the article, but it is really cool kind of what he was striving to do. He had and some he, benchmarks. He did succeed at what he was after. And, I mean, there's a bunch of things on the car that just make it light out carbon fiber, plastic windows. And the thing is, is that you think of a car like this, and you're like, oh, it's going to be like some shitty race car build. Right. But it's not. When the car first pulled up, um, I didn't. I thought it was just all aluminum or all steel, mm-hmm. but it's all everything's carbon fiber and it's so incredibly well done. Right. Most his, most of his the time, attention anything, to detail, it sounded like, was so kind of almost over the top. Yes, but that's I mean, it's understandable. Yeah, you know, it's coming from who it. You know, he sits there and draws cars all day. Like all the panel gaps are perfect, which for like carbon fiber or fiberglass is like unheard of right the shit just does not fit no and it's you know these these pieces are made for race cars we're not going to care about it yeah exactly um so uh i was picked up at the airport by the fixer his name is uh chris kippenberger he's uh he's done a film on that car which you may have seen um i'll post that later okay and he also did a film on the isle of man yep and he worked for rolls royce as well so he was doing like a big long-term project for rolls royce at the time and he had a wraith at the time is what he was driving. Okay. And I'm like, oh man, this would be so badass. I'm gonna get picked up at the airport oh. and, a, and, a, and he's gonna pull up in a wraith and pick me right. up. Right. How cool am I gonna feel? That'd be sweet. Guess what he picked me up in? Not a wraith. Not a wraith. Smaller. Oh, Did you read what it is? I I guess I didn't realize that's okay. what you were talking about. Yeah, smaller, much smaller. Yeah, okay. I know it's, it's, I know what it is. It's a smart car. <laughs> Oh, it's a smart car. He picked me up in a smart car. Okay, that's not what I was thinking. Yeah. So uh, you mentioned also what uh, what this guy's mechanic showed up in two or drives or something yeah, yeah. to that effect too. Um, so you got picked up in a smart car. Yeah. When I thought I was going to get picked up in a race. Yeah. Which was slightly I mean, different expectations. Chris was a cool guy. You know, he's a really cool guy, and I I cannot thank him enough Absolutely. for helping me hooking me up with this opportunity. Um, so he took me over to um, the classic Remise 
or Remise. I don't know how you say it in German. Okay. But it's this big, huge, basically car storage building where people store their cars, but it's open to the public. Okay. So there's everything. There's Mercy Lagos, Countach. So when um, you say store, it's like this is it's their storage. collection. It's, yeah, but it's not like a collection. It's like one or two cars. Okay. Um, so there's a lot of, you know, some were for sale, some weren't. But, it was, I mean, it was the most eclectic collection of expensive, cool shit you've ever seen. I wish I, you know, I don't have a great memory, so I don't remember yeah. all of the cars that I saw there. But I remember the one that impacted me most, and it was the, uh, the Mercedes-AMG Hammer, which is... Um, Basically, it's like an E-Class car. But what right. they did is they took a Mer- Mercedes S-Class V8, yep. swapped it in, uh, increased the compression. and did. I mean, they rebuilt the motor completely. It was their factory hot rod from what, what year was that? Was that the 80s? It was uh, early 90s, I believe. Okay. Late 80s, early 90s. Yep. I'm not sure exactly when that car came out. But they put, instead of uh, two valves per cylinder, they changed it over to four valve per cylinder. And they increased it like 100 and something horsepower. I think I have it written down here. Okay. Um, 125 more, more horsepower than a Corvette would have had at wow. that time. And this is in a, a you know, four-door yeah, Mercedes. Yeah, so that was really cool to see that. So we walked around there a little bit, Chris and I, until uh, till Akim showed up. And I remember I just... Um, what I'll pro- I'm gonna, just going to read a little passage from the article here sure. that, yeah, uh, that just kind of talks about that a little bit. The recognizable rumble of a sport-muffled flat six echoes off downtown Berlin buildings. The vintage 911 coupe drops a gear, decelerates, and pulls to a stop. Minimalist in presentation and modest in light silver, the car's blatant idle is at odds with its visual subtlety, but it isn't long before the driver kills the Porsche's engine and heat can be heard ticking through the exhaust system. Akim Anscheid, director of design at Bugatti Automobiles, climbs out and swings his door shut. He's dressed neatly in a blue vest and cuffed Levi's. His slight smile is warm and reassuring under a clear-eyed stare, hinting at a brilliant mind behind the blue eyes. His handshake is firm but pleasant when he introduces himself. It's time to hit the road. The big German city churns by slowly, but the car's minimalist nature with <laughs> but the car's minimalist nature, which is subtle on the exterior, is obvious within. There's no carpeting and no sound deadening. The windows are often plastic rather than glass. It gets harder to hold a conversation when Berlin disappears in the mirrors and the Autobahn opens up. As the video speedometer's thin needle arcs around the dial, Akim's hands are light on the wheel, confident. Clearly comfortable at 145 miles per hour, he raises his voice to overcome six throttle bodies behind us. So <laughs> the first time I read this, I have to say, I kind of glanced right past that passage because I was like, okay, they're heading out of town. Wait a minute, 145 miles per hour. Yeah. Oh, I had to go back. Autobahn. Yeah, of course. But that was the same reaction I had at the time. <laughs> you just, you, I just also, I'm like, man, he's really going for it. Yeah. But then I'm like, wait a second. It doesn't fucking matter. And cars are just moving out of the way like crazy. See, I wish people knew how to drive. Like, I, I don't know. It's. It's respect, I guess, for people that are going fast on the Autobahn. And we obviously don't have that here. We yeah, talked about basically that nobody episodes, is in the left lane. That's I mean, awesome. we were because we were going. I think we ended up going about 150. Wow. And the thing is, is that this what car. What was that like? It was weird because you, if I was going 150 in my car, I imagine yeah. it being terrifying. Right. Because at about 120, I start to go, eh, this isn't a good idea. Yeah. But for some reason, this car felt really, really solid. Huh. Really, so they left the uh, the stock torsion bars and the stock um, dampeners in the car, but they do a lot less work because the car is like 400 kilograms lighter or okay. something like that than it normally would have been. Sure. 
So it felt remarkably solid. I mean, he was driving with one hand, like motioning with his right hand <laughs> as he's talking to me. And he was, I mean, he had to be, he was raising his voice pretty loud. Yeah, I mean, imagine. I've got the conversations. You, you have, like bare steel floor pans. and there, I mean, it was loud. Yeah. All I, all I could think of is, man, I wish my car sounded like this. Oh, really? Oh, it, was, it just sounded amazing. And I mean, it's he's got a standalone fuel injection in the car. Okay. Six throttle bodies. The thing just sounded awesome. The story that he told me, um, well, we were talking a little, he asked me who my favorite designer was. Okay. Um, and I said, Jajario. Yeah. And he's like, well, I know Jajario. And he's like, I, I went motorcycling with him. Oh, wow. Um, and uh, there was Jajario crashed. Um, this, not when they were together, but uh, okay. so I should say that Akim is a, a, a trials rider. So with like, okay. a, with like dirt bike stuff, yeah. like he does, he can just, he's the king shit at it. And he's really good. He won a lot of competitions. So Jajaro, he used to, uh, he motorcycled with him a few times. And I guess he told him a story about he was up in the mountains one time and fell off his bike and smashed his teeth in. And Jajario <laughs> took his teeth in his <sighs> hand, put them in his pocket and drove all the way back to town <laughs> on his bike. Um, but uh, he asked me who my favorite signer was. I said, Jajario, and he asked who my least favorite was. And I said, um, Christopher Bangle. Yeah. And I it kind of went on like this mini tirade. I was like, yeah, he just destroyed BMW. It just was, I don't like anything that he did. Seven series and five okay. series. And he's like, he says, without Christopher Bangle, everything would still look like it did in the 90s because nobody was pushing the envelope with body lines at the time when Christopher Bangle took over. Really? And it was it was really, really interesting because he didn't say he liked him, but he said yeah. that he was kind of like a revolutionary in design. Yeah, maybe respected him. Yeah, and then we talked about Porsche design a little bit, and he's like, if you notice, Porsche never has to do any of that. Their designs have always been pretty organic. Yeah, since the, the old joke is a 911 is a 911. They look the same. Yep, is a 911. Um, so... Uh, that was really interesting. And I asked why his car was silver. And uh, he said it was silver because that's the only uh, color that isn't a color. So it doesn't interfere with the designer's eye when he's looking at the car. Right. And I thought this was interesting because when I read that line in the article, I thought, well, what about like black or white maybe seems more um, black like probably reflects too color. much and white probably reflects. Not right. Enough. And I think, you know, what you wrote or what he said is that, you know, when they look at a design and just a, a shape or a, a mold of a car or a, a design, they always paint it silver yep. in the design studio because that's what you can pick up on most. So the only color on the car is the fan, which is okay. orange. That's cool. Which is which is pretty neat. Um, I wanted to I want to touch a little bit about what he said on the future of motoring too. Okay. So he obviously he designed the Chiron. He has a lot to do with it, and he was talking about how it might be one of the last pure exercise of technologies of of the past. Yeah. So the Chiron is the new Bugatti. Yep. There it's, was the. Uh, Bugatti, um, which Veyron. Veyron, thank you. It's a successor to that. This is the successor. And is it totally different? Like, is it? They're oh, out. It's a new car. How long have they been out? A year, Chiron, or two, a year and a half, two okay. years. Yeah. He says uh, the the Chiron is a thoroughly modern car, one that's limited to 420 limited. Yeah. Limited. I wonder how fast that thing actually is. Limited to 261 miles per hour. Limited. That's crazy. Um, it's. The Chiron is a thoroughly modern car, one that's limited to... I wish I could say this in, like, a German accent because it would come across a lot better. The Chiron is a... No, that's not a <laughs> nope, not German. <laughs> I don't know what that was. And one, it's a car that uses technology to make it easy to drive. Even so, Akeem says that... Oh, this isn't a quote from him. This is me typing this. It's a quote from <laughs> can, you. Even so, Akeem says it has one, uh, one foot rooted in the past. Quote, it's the last pure mechanical exercise that will still be valuable in 10, 20, and 50 years down the road, he argues. An F40, for example, has been produced in many more numbers than a 959. And the 959 was quite a bit more advanced at the time, but the F40 is, is worth quite a lot more than a 959, 
even though it is a far more technically advanced vehicle. But half of the technology that is in the 959 is totally outdated today. The F40 is just this brutal kind of race car adaptation for the road, and it's a more valuable car today. It's a good example of how technique keeps its value over time. I thought that interesting. was that was that was really really interesting. And I asked him if the best of motoring was behind us, and if only the elite were going to be able to be the ones uh, driving cars in the mm-hmm. future. And he just I'll paraphrase, but he just said things that are of the heart are never only for the elite. And I was I just I was really really touched by that, and it, it gave me hope. That yeah, you know? that's really interesting. But to play devil's advocate here, another line in that story you quoted him saying how um, cars. You know, when horses, I should say, when cars came along, people that had horses, all of a sudden that went and became just a hobby for people. And right. generally, think about it. Like, who's out there riding horses it's and expensive. has a stable? It like, that's expensive. for the elite. Sure. So if you're going to use that analogy into the future, when everyone's going to maybe not even own a car anymore, and we're just using these self-driving systems or whatever it might be, um, or car sharing services, a lot of it is going, you know, will your your car that is your hobby only be for the elite then i think that motoring really represents more than just getting to a destination it really is it's it represents individualism and freedom i would say in in our in the u.s for sure i don't even in europe do you think so the ability to travel really does represent freedom and, and individualism and i think that that um in what we do anyway in terms of uh modifying cars right using them as an identity to represent who we are and ourselves is it's really really uh, quintessential to why this stuff exists in the first place. Um, being able to, uh, the motoring becomes a conduit for your personality almost. Right. And do you think that is going to matter in the future? For a while. Yeah. For a while. I, I don't think forever. No. Um, the difference between horses is horses are a living thing. They just, they're born and then they die. You know, cars, uh, they're just going to go away, you know, and just get, right. You know, there's no reason you can't have an, you can't have an, emo- I, I love cars, but you're not having an emotional attachment to a car like you are a horse or your dog. I mean, yeah, it's just not, not. It's not the same thing. It's not the same. Some would argue that they definitely have an emotional attachment to a car, I think. Yes, but it's not going to be the it's same. It's not the same. No, admittedly. No, no, it's not so. the same. Um, so I want to move on and see uh, what's new with you, but I've got a voicemail <laughs> that uh, that I want to play for you before we um, before we oh before we get too far. I just want to um, just touch base on how impactful this entire trip was for me oh yeah it really did change my outlook on a, on a lot of things talking to him and learning about design it, how so i always see especially so i asked him what the difference was between what she would rather prefer doing is designing a budget car or designing a luxury car mm-hmm. and i'm not sure exactly where i'm going with this but <laughs> he said that um designing a luxury car is much much easier because he he feels like he could be passionate about it and do whatever he wanted because okay. you, know, you can you can do whatever you want. When you have to design a, a Chevy Spark, you're you have to all these design parameters that you have to. Oh, sure, yeah. There's, you have there's to be. limitations. For... And, I, and I always, it's tough to remember that a lot of this is is really passionate work. Even um, so, just imagine him mm-hmm. designing like the new Chevy Corsica or whatever. You know, it would be stifling almost, and it's almost yeah. sad. And, and it made me kind of uh, respect design in a little bit of a different way that is understanding that even these cars that we see every single day, that we just go, oh, man, look at that thing or that Chrysler 300 or these cars are still being designed by people with passion. True. No matter, no matter, yeah, there's still no someone matter where they came from. they it with passion. Yeah, they and are. That, that's interesting. It makes me think, you know, I, I started out more as like a graphic designer before I moved into the web world for my day job. And I remember kind of the first projects where I'd like really pour myself into it. 
and like put everything into these projects. Um, and then as they go down the line, you know, with iterative processes, it's like you lose a lot of that yeah, and things absolutely. change and you take it so hard. You know what I mean? And I'm sure with photography and some of the other design stuff you've done in the past, you yep. get that as well. And yeah, I never thought about as a car designer, it's like what you're seeing going down the road is someone's either passion they put into it or, exactly. you know, there's heart in it. Yeah, absolutely. So, no question about it. All right, so let's hear this. Uh, let's hear this voicemail. Yeah. So this, uh, just a reminder, is from our uh, hotline that we have that you guys can call into, and the cut, number cut one go. We don't need to give the number out anymore. Okay, it's not a big deal. Okay, cut one go. Jake, what is wrong with you? That Nissan thing is not at all like a Bronco. <laughs> Broncos were cool. I'm a middle-aged mom practically, and I don't even think that thing is cool. Take it back. Bye. So, are so, you? It's, I've been probably uh, so, harsh. I was just wondering if you're willing to take it back yet. Uh, no, because it pisses you off so much. <laughs> no, so if you missed I it have, last I, I week, I want to have I want to have a rational discussion. I, about I this. think we should. But I, I just want to add context here. Last week, I we talked about I don't even know how it came up. We were talking about the Nissan Murano Cross Cabriolet. I think it's called. Sure. Where it's basically the Nissan Murano SUV that they made into a convertible. And you like it. And I like it. And I even went as far as to say, like, it's reminiscent of the old Broncos where it's an SUV and you can take the roof off. But it's useless. And she called me out on that. It's I agree. It's definitely not like a Bronco. Okay. Okay. <laughs> that I can admit. That. I took a little far there. No, I think the reason, and it's not like I'm super passionate about these things. <laughs> Let's be honest. Like, yeah, I get they're They're kind of ugly, but I love the idea of it because it's so totally different and it's so unique that I can get on board with. And I can get on board with someone taking risk. I always bitch about companies not taking taking risks anymore, right? And taking the safe way, but there's still it's just like free speech. You can say some <laughs> dumb shit, but there's still going to be consequences for what you're saying. Right. So just because something is unique doesn't mean it's cool. Just because someone took a risk doesn't mean it's great. So that's true. I think we can commend the risk, but that doesn't mean we have to like it. No, I wouldn't. Well, I, I wouldn't buy one, but I would like to drive one still. Well, we're going to try and make that happen. Okay, good. We're going to go drive one. Yeah, no, I just remember the first time I saw one and I was so kind of like flabbergasted. Like, wait, Is isn't that flabbergasted an, like a synonym for puke? Because that's what no, I know. But I didn't want to say like uh, excited or surprised. Flabbergasted, I think, is a very appropriate term okay. for when you see one of these. And you go, wait a minute, that's a Murano SUV. And then you see the roof down with the high belt line. And it's like. That is so weird. It looks it's like cool. a comedian from the 50s with his pants pulled all the way up <laughs> and like a little tiny tie. Yeah, man, don't you do this? You see? <laughs> That's exactly with on. his stupid little hat and his tiny little tie that comes down to his belt buckle. That's exactly what those that things is look it. like. Yeah, because it's a little overweight, you know, too. Yeah, yeah it's a little fat. <laughs> look here, see? Yeah. <laughs> Take it back. Uh, do you do you like the car or do you like the idea of something someone trying something? Is I like the idea that it's different and it's unique. And this is, okay, I on I paper, a, I need a sound of me throwing you a lifeline. <laughs> this is what I'm doing right here. I'm trying to save I know your you reputation. Are. But I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna hold a little bit firm here because on paper too. Like again, we watched a review of this thing after the fact, and it's, it's, it's terrible. It's terrible. <laughs> it is terrible. But on paper, it's like it has a good engine. I'm pretty sure it's the VQ35, which yeah. is like their cool V6 in there. It sounds pretty good. It's almost like a, a VR a little bit with the burble to it. 
not that far. I'm going to get hate for that too. <laughs> but uh, cool engine, all-wheel drive, SUV. It doesn't look great, but I love that it's a convertible. Right. So if someone drew a picture of a penis on a piece of paper, would you say that it was functional just because it was a penis on paper? No. Oh, but it looks good on paper. That analogy doesn't work at sure, all. Sure, it looks great on paper. It's a beautiful penis on paper. No, it's not. I'm not, it drawing, I'm not drawing this car on paper. It's not the aesthetic of it that I like on paper. I like the the boxes that it that, that it checks and the idea of it. But what if it does none of that well? Um, what was, is something that that car then does Then that's why well? they don't make it anymore. <laughs> that car does nothing. That is the car is the king of doing absolutely nothing well. Except sunburn. There you go. That's about it. Good tanning. Yeah. Opportunities. All right. Let's, let's, let's move. Oh, wait. I want to talk about, tell me what happened with, uh, with yeah, your wife. So this is really funny. What day was it? I think it was right when we released the episode. Because you remember, yep. we're recording these uh, ahead of time on, yep. on so Thursday So this was usually. Monday. So it was Monday right when the episode drops. I get a text from my wife. And it's just a photo of one of these Nissan Muranos with the top down. In the snow. In the snow. And she goes, look what I just saw on the road. Isn't this the most hideous thing ever? And she even, like, sold it like this is someone at work, I think. I'm pretty sure someone owns it there. And, and <laughs> She I, said you called her? I called her. I was like, okay. <laughs> really? And she's like, what? I was like, what was that about? She's like, isn't that thing just, like, weird looking and hideous? I was like, oh, so you must have listened to the podcast, and you're just, like, you know, teasing me about it. She's like, no, I haven't listened to the podcast yet. Why? What are you, what are you talking about? And I was like, <laughs> mm. like, I can kind of see something's up, but I didn't quite know what was up. So what I, I so what I thought was that she had listened to the podcast yeah, and was it wasn't teasing me about yeah. it. But what actually or she happened, happened to have seen one. But what actually happened was I solicited his <laughs> wife and said, send Jake this picture and say this thing's super ugly. And I, it took me forever to find a picture of a Murano in the snow. Yeah, it was pretty good uh, placement. Let's rewind. You solicited my wife. I did. I solicited. <laughs> I didn't even have to pay her anything. <laughs> Careful there. Yeah, no, it was pretty good. You got me there. Oh, we got you good. That was good. Yeah, we got you good. Um, so, uh, new wheels, are they here? Are they're, they coming? They're not here yet because they weren't for the RS4. Yep. So for the RS4, RS4, um, they are not here yet. I forgot to give a shout out. I ordered these through, uh, our friend, uh, at 311 RS, a yep. local company. They do Porsches. Great guys over there. He cut me an awesome deal on these and they were, uh, I think not in the local warehouse. So they had to be shipped. Okay. So they're coming. The tires and everything else. What so are they yeah, coming? Um, I think they said it was like a week or two out. Okay. And that was when I ordered them, which was over a week ago. So soon. Soon. Yeah. That'll Great. be exciting. Uh, just in time, hopefully for the snow to melt. Did you order your springs? No. You need to do that. I want to get them on the car first and see if they look ridiculous. No, no, no. That's not how it works. I know. You get the springs first and then yeah, you put yeah, the wheels yeah. on. All right. Maybe I'll work on that. So um, you're going on, I hear you're going on a trip. I'm going on a little trip. Yeah, as well. Um, I'm flying out to Colorado with my dad to pick up a Jeep and drive it back. Okay. Are you guys just going to hit the freeway or are you going to go anywhere um, while you're there? I might encourage us to, to take back roads. I mean, once you get into like Nebraska though, there's no oh, yeah. point. It just stinks. <laughs> there's no point. Um, so I'd like to spend some time you where know, in, Colorado? in Colorado, where right out of Denver. So you should go up to the Northwest of Denver. Okay. And just drive around a little bit. I can give you yeah, some roads. Yeah, somewhere the mountain roads are. Yeah, that would be cool. Yeah, I'd like to spend some time up there and enjoy it while we're out there. Um, but it'll probably only be like a two-day trip, you know, because like I said, once you get out of Colorado, you just want to beeline it to right. get home. Right. Cornfields. Yep, Not pretty the much. Most fun. And the smell is quite bad. That's true. Yeah, a lot of manure. I wonder if it's manure season now yet. 
I wonder if it'll smell actually going through there. I am not we'll sure. We'll have to see. It could so, be. Yeah, that's what's going on with us. Um, we got one more voicemail before we go to break. We do. And let me play this up right now. Cut to go. Hi, guys. It's Ryan here. Uh, just kind of wondering why do we all love the Porsche 911 so much? What is it about it that attracts all of us to that car oh so much? Love the podcast. Thanks for doing it. Talk to you guys later. Bye. Thanks, Ryan. So I was going to wait to see what you thought of this before I tell you why 911s are awesome. Sure. Um, I think it is an obtainable, I hate to use the term supercar. It, it, it's not it, a supercar. Is it car. obtainable though? I mean, they're like $150,000 More so than like a Ferrari or like a Lamborghini. I or, guess. You know what I mean? Or maybe even Aston Martin. It's more obtainable than that. Some of the other things I'd classify it with. And the other thing, it has the history to it and the pedigree. So I feel like, and it's the simplicity of it, in theory, they're I feel simple. Like you, I feel like you t- I t- <laughs> they're not simple anymore. They're no, hideously exactly. complex. Um, what I think it is, I think it's, it is the heritage, and it's their, yeah. their ability to culture their heritage. Um, um, cultivate, Cult- sorry, okay. cultivate their heritage. So they really, really respect what, where they've been. And yes. they really try to, they try to translate that DNA uh, through each 911 that comes out. And, um, of course, there's the Cayennes and the Macans that actually keep the company afloat. <laughs> but if you look back to, like, you know, 73, 74, back mm-hmm. when they were just uh, just winning on some of the IROC stuff that they did, right. some of the RSRs that were just out there spanking everybody, that was really, really unexpected. Before that stuff happened in the early 70s, Porsche mm-hmm. was kind of just this A small little, little 356 with the four-cylinder engine that wasn't really doing anything. And all of a sudden, they came out of nowhere with the RSRs and the 935s and the 917s, and they went to Can-Am and spanked everybody, and they just started dominating around the world. So they kind of came out of nowhere and just kind of shocked everybody. That's a good point. And then... Uh, Obviously, Porsche did really, really poorly towards the late 80s, but um, they, they did, were able to turn it around. And I think that their, their ability to have such a, a uniform historical path over the last you know, 30, 40 years, mm-hmm. even, even longer, really is a testament to uh, brand cohesiveness. And people sure. can, you, can, you can walk into the dealer or look at a 911, and I can feel that, that they're still, it's still there. My car is still there. Yeah, and they maintain no a lot of the... no other manufacturer has that. None. Nobody. Um, I would argue there are some parallels, but not at that level. No. Well, yeah, there's Mustang is still around. That's but exactly what came but to mind. they stopped making it for a while, right? Didn't they? They didn't the, stop making it, but they went to the different chassis, and it was terrible. The Mustang I thought there was a couple years where it didn't it. exist, but... I don't believe so. It's just, well, the, I guess they started calling it... They saw what they needed to do. They started calling it the new Mustang, and then, like, kind of designing it to look like the old one. But it's too late. You've already had, like, three or four different iterations that look nothing like a Mustang You're right. in the middle. Whereas the 911 has looked the same. And I think one of the things that really makes it cool is from like 1964, it's like 1989, 88, was the same car. It was the same thing for 25 years. Just slightly updated styling, but slightly updating it. And, you know, I would argue that it it got worse in some ways and better in others, but no other company has really done anything like that. And uh, it's a testament to the engineering of kind of making that design work when it it shouldn't. I was going to say they they were almost stubborn in that sense, because, you know, it as we know, having the engine out past the rear wheels isn't the best way to make a car handle. 
So, so the, I don't want to beat Porsche to death too much because I don't want to just maybe, become the Porsche podcast. Yeah, no, but, I know. But it, maybe that's part of it too is it is different, you know, in the sense that it's the only car still really with the engine out in the back yep. that's always been like that and is a performance car. Yep. And there's also, I mean, you look at the Magnus Walker phenomenon and just like the California phenomenon. I was going to say, there's more of that. like a, a renaissance in the last, what, 10 years? One of the values right. really shot up. Right. And there's no other... Uh, I think the younger generation, like me, has mm-hmm. really glommed onto this stuff. And glommed? I don't f- glom, glom. You know, is that glom. a word? That's a word. Glom. With something with glommed on. Look it up later. Okay. But nobody's doing that with like a, <laughs> a '67 Mustang. You know, it's just not. They're just rare enough. Mm, yeah. And then they, for my car, for example, they made like 3,500 of them right. in 1972. I mean, how many Mustangs did they make? 150,000. Right. It's the more exclusivity. Of so it. it's they're just rare enough, but they're still just attainable enough. You know, yeah, still, even today, point. I mean, it, but it, it's, it's all there. You can, you can still participate in it. And one thing that's great is when I look at my car, I can look at a, the 935 that I shot yep. and I can see my car in that. Oh, I can yeah. look in the window and go, yeah, that's that. that. Exactly. I mean, there's same, not much like left. Floor pan floor pressings plans, and stuff like that. It's there. The DNA is there through right. all of it, through all those race cars. It's all there. Even if you look at something like a, a 956, whatever that we talked about last week. Right. If you look at kind of like the architecture of the way that the motor is built and stuff yep. like that, that DNA is all there. And that's exciting knowing that there's something for me to aspire to, like a look at like a 73 RS or something that's worth, you know, however my $800,000 or million right. dollars. I have no idea what they're worth these days. It's yeah, it's, it's my car. A million. That's my car. A 73 RS is basically my car. Yeah. It's my car yeah. with like aluminum panels and like a no, I a know what you're saying. A light, lighter weight, but it, but that's my car, right? You know? So there's just knowing that I can, that I still have part of that is is really cool, and know, being part of that company and part of that DNA is yeah. But is great. even someone like me that doesn't have that, I can still you know there's something still that you appreciate about it that does make you yearn for that. Here's so, here's an interesting parallel going back to Akeem a little bit. Okay, he went and drove a Lotus. Elise. Yeah, that's what he, and, he and drove he, before. He's what he drove before, and he's like, well, <laughs> working for Bugatti in the Volkswagen group, probably not a good that idea. That wasn't a good idea, not exactly. Good idea. So then he bought the 911 and tried to make the 911 as light as possible to be kind of to like To drive Elise. like and that made Elise. me think about you, because yeah, you, you were sure all over the Lotus thing until I started brainwashing you. Yeah, so. I, I still, I was thinking about it today. I was like, yeah, it still would be great. You know, when I drove a few of them, they were fun. Yeah. But at any rate. any rate, we're going to take a break, and when we get back, Tyler will be here with us. Uh, be right back. Hey guys, we're back from our break. We've got uh, Tyler Christofferson. When we we verified the name, yes, and uh, I was correct. And one of the reasons why I'm correct <laughs> is because I am a Christopher. So I kind of have I've got right. the you know we've got a relationship there with the Christophers in our name. Welcome, Tyler. Thank you. Nice to have you here. Um, before we get into uh, talking to you about, uh, you know, being the co-founder of Cars and Coffee and founding the Cannibal Rally and, and hearing about all that stuff and some of your history about cars, I wanted to talk a little bit about our Patreon, which is That's right. Yeah, which is something that um, we we, we want to have that around for you guys to support us. But we also get back to you. If you go to uh, Overcrest or Patreon.com slash Overcrest, right. you can grab a T-shirt uh, for $5 a month or for $10 a month, you get a T-shirt and a signed print by me, which is which is pretty cool. So head on over there. Take a look at that. And, uh, and give yeah, us, give it's us also, your support. You can, you can find it on our website as well at overcrestproductions.com. In addition to that, we'd also love to hear your feedback on iTunes. If you guys leave us a, re- a review as well as that five-star rating, it really helps us out, and we love to hear your feedback as well. Yeah, hit us up on iTunes. So that'd be, that'd be great. 
So uh, welcome, dude. It's, 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 I'm glad to have you here. I've had you on the calendar for quite a while. Thanks, buddy. It's, uh, it's nice to have you down. It was great when you pulled up. We were sitting here watching Top Gear on the couch <laughs> waiting for you. And I said, that is a, that is a Hellcat. I yeah. knew it. I could I feel it. I it out today, yeah. Yeah, was this the first time for the season? Uh, I actually took it to Carson Coffee last you <laughs> couple did. weeks ago. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I saw a photo was of it, that. Was it iced coffee? It was, it was <laughs> Carson iced coffee, yes. Yes, it was frigid. I'm sorry I didn't make it out. No, it's okay. Um, we're, uh, we're really excited to be able to, to broadcast the podcast live from, from Carson Coffee. We're really, really excited about yeah, that. Really excited to be there. And there's all kinds of things that I think we're going to be able to do with it is interview some of the patrons and, mm-hmm. and take a look at some of the cars. And, uh, and we're really excited about that. And I just want to say thanks for having Anytime. us there. It's, it's, it's really great. And hopefully it'll be a little warmer this next month. I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> so obviously with cars and coffee, you're obviously passionate about cars. That's that's yeah. more than obvious. But where did that where did that start from you? Do you have like a like kind of like a quintessential car memory that you know kicked it all off? You know, Lily, as, as, for as long as I can remember, I've always just been infatuated with cars. Um, huge Hot Wheels guy, of course. Um, we would do these road trips across the country. Back then, we had nothing, you know, besides our, mm-hmm. our toys and G.I. Joes, whatever. And I would usually just grab a couple Hot Wheels, and that would entertain me for trips across the country in the back of a <laughs> Toyota Celica, actually, yeah. Yeah, nice. Tight. Whoa, <laughs> trips across the country in a Celica, that's yeah, impressive. It was bad. Was yeah. it a two-door? Two-door. Yeah, they all are, aren't they? My dad smoked Marlboro Reds the entire time. <laughs> it was fantastic. <laughs> back when men were men. <laughs> right. There you go. My dad did the same thing to me. He had a little Ranger two-door pickup, and mm-hmm. I would have to sit there and just inhale secondhand smoke. It was the worst. Just, yeah. just, it was awful. It was absolutely awful. So uh, what was your uh, – so did you learn how to drive on that car? Or what, I mean, Obviously, maybe you didn't have a Celica for 15 years, but – what was the what You know, was the story? my first uh, the first car I drove was actually a, a manual as well, and I was actually a Honda Civic DX, just the okay. base model yep. Honda Civic. And uh, so that was pretty easy to drive. But, yeah, that was the first car I really actually got to drive legally on the road. Right on. Sorry. I mean, legally. legally. Did you steal it? <laughs> <laughs> well, the first car was. Why are we, why are we saying legally? I don't know. There... I just threw that in there, I guess. I, well, I've driven other cars before that. but uh, Illegally. Right. Illegally, yeah. So this was the first <laughs> one. I actually got to drive by myself around the neighborhood. Yeah, you're not myself. sitting on your dad's lap. Was it exactly. a five-speed or auto? You know, there were probably four speeds back then. I suppose. Yeah, it was yeah. a tiny. You said it was a manual, though. Yeah, it was a manual. Okay. Sure. That'd be yeah. fun. So what uh, what else has been kind of your, your highlights in your car ownership? I know, so from what I know of you, yeah. you have the Hellcat now, mm-hmm. which you went from, before the Hellcat, it was a 911 that you yeah. had, the yeah. 996C4S, mm-hmm. was it? Yeah. Um, and that's a that's a big change right there. But before we get to that, was there anything else kind of highlights uh, in your car ownership, favorite memories of having a car? Or? You know, I think when I first was able to finally afford to buy a decent car, was probably my about an Audi S4. Okay. Um, was that the B5? It was a B5, yeah. yeah. It was a bright yellow B5, and I actually took that up to Brainerd, did some track events with that one, okay. and spent a ton of money in that thing. Obviously. Oh, really? Yeah. It was just, just the 2.7 modifications. T. Yeah, modifications, and then also just I had Hoosiers for that thing. It was crazy. So, what, was, what, <laughs> yeah. what was the first car that you started screwing around with, though? That car. Probably. That was the one? Okay. Yeah, yeah, like when I actually learned... To actually how to work on the car and actually do some things to it. I'm not a mechanic by any means, so I'll tell you that right now. So it was all just, and this is a lot of time, really before YouTube, you know, like YouTube's yeah. around, but wasn't as thorough it is now. You know, I could Google anything. There wasn't or, as many resources exactly. to yeah. be able to do it yourself. So I went through a lot of money. So you went from sure. the S4 and then you got the 911 after that? I got an, a different 911, yeah. So oh, I, you did have it yeah, okay, before that. C4S, 911, 996 C4S. Okay. Um, 
So I had that for a few years. And the deal was when I got that car is when we had my wife and I, we had a baby. Mm -hmm. That car's gone. And we would, um, I'd get something a little more practical. So sure, sure. I wanted, I got the fastest thing I could possibly buy with four doors. And that at the Which, time was the Audi RS6. Well, well, you that's, had a, that's pretty up there for a fastest was, saloon. Yeah, you had an there. RS6. Yeah, that was, was the V10 in that one, right? No, it was a twin turbo twin V8. Turbo V8 yeah. 4.2. Okay. 2003. Yeah. C5. How did that end up going away? Because that's about <sighs> as badass as it gets. What was the. It was just, truthfully, it just was not fun to drive. Why? It just was all wheel drive. I was just used to more, something more nimble. Uh huh. It was powerful. It was so much fun to drive in the wintertime. Um, those weren't a manual transmission in there, were no, they? No, it was an automatic. Right. And it was a, a bad tiptronic. Automatic. Yeah. yeah. Right. So well, they're basically like they're just freeway autobahn monsters. Yeah. yeah is what great. they're made for. If you want to throw just them around, eat miles road trips, yeah. awesome. It's like sumo right. wrestling. Yeah. So it I, wasn't the Avant, was it? They didn't. No, they didn't no. import the Avants in the yeah. RS6, did yeah, they? Just sedan. That would have been cool. Yeah. So how did you? So then you ended up with the with the silver 911. That I. That's what you had when I met you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I remember when you were thinking about selling it, I was like, why is he selling this car? What is he going to get? <laughs> and then we started talking about Hellcats. And that was when on Top Gear, Richard Hammond had the episode where he was just doing burnouts over and over. <laughs> oh, and over. through Italy, right? <laughs> through Italy. Oh, yes. yeah. I remember that. And they that. kept yeah. delivering him tires on the truck. And I had this thought. I'm like, like an epiphany. I, I, I legitimately thought, no joke, about selling my 911 and buying one. <laughs> really? I he, asked yeah, him. Right. We talked about it. We yeah. talked about it. I was I was close, but I never really went and looked at them. And yeah, I think it was a little bit. It was just the fear of the going into the dealership being like, can I test drive this? And then mm -hmm. being like, no. So I don't know. What was your buying experience like with that thing? You know, truthfully, I the first one I went to, they wouldn't let me drive one. Um, really? So I drove a shaker, like a shaker yeah. challenger. That was fun as hell. It was great. I'm like, this is could be pretty cool. What was the reasoning behind not letting you drive it? Um, at the time, it was there probably was some snow on the ground still. Okay, it was oh. just last March. Okay, March, and they had a bunch. They had a couple on the on the showroom floor. They would have had to shuffle some cars around to get it out. Oh, I didn't know if it was something like they just had way too many kids coming for, you know, uh, joy rides or not part even of kids, it. but, you know, part of it anyone. Yeah. But, I mean, they had to have known you were serious at some point. And, and I actually had a relationship with that dealership Yeah, huh. with, through something else. So um, I was surprised. And I actually talked to the person afterwards and they were like, what, what the heck? Why didn't you get a chance to drive it? But yeah. so I went to a different dealership and they, um, the guy's like, yeah, let's go. So we mm. went right out for a test drive and... And is I, it is it the one you bought? Was the one you test drove? No, no. It was actually a red one, just like the one Hammond drove. Okay. I have a more okay. pressing question. Did you yeah. do a burnout on the test drive? Is that allowed? No, he actually gave me the black key. He didn't give me the red key. <laughs> oh, there's <laughs> different keys. Oh, yeah, there's two keys. Okay. So I had the black key. We went down the highway and back, and it just... I should get my wife a black key and a red key. <laughs> for what? <laughs> I don't know. I haven't thought about for what yet. <laughs> but I think that we could figure just something out. Just different levels somehow. Yeah, yeah, just different levels. I mean, I should give her... I should have the keys. Okay. It should be me. I should have the keys. I should oh, have the black she, key and like, the red key. And so she uses the red key on you and gets you fired up or something? No, I, I, I should have said that I'm the one with the keys, but I get to use them on her. her. Oh, yeah. okay. I'm not sure if That's the black key or the red key Chris. is. Does she listen to this podcast? <laughs> she does. Oh, yeah. She does. Yeah. yeah. I'm not sure if the black key or the red key would be more fun. But I guess that's I guess the red. The red is more fun. I'll tell you. Well, yeah, it depends what it signifies on his wife. So, <laughs> so how, what's the what key do you take with you? I always I've never used a black key, so I always use the red key. That's okay. my bad. Yeah, so yeah. it does it actually it's a different ECU tune that yeah. it opens up. It goes from 500 up to the 707. OK, 
power. So, so oh, so the the black key is still 500 horsepower. Yeah, so, yeah. You're not. It's <laughs> not like the valet key, right? You can still no. get some damage. So, done. was there yeah, any so. disappointment when you went on the test drive with the black key? Were you like, holy shit, this is still amazing? Or it just the sounds? I was just blown away by. It. I didn't expect to hear that supercharger scream. Oh, I suppose, and then the exhaust, the back pop, and it was just, it was nuts. I the sound was, is what seems like the most intoxicating thing. Yeah, it was, is, it was great. I had a smile this year to hear. Aftermarket exhaust on it right now? No, it's bone stock. Okay, <laughs> we and that's what it. we heard. Yeah, second like, floor, we felt it when he when he, when he got here. Wow, that's impressive. So on the side of the car, yeah, is the the Cannonball livery. Yes. So why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, Cannonball and Northern Voices and how all this came to be? What was how did it start? Yeah, right on. So you know, I started Cars and Coffee. I'm going to kind of parlay that into why I started the rally. Sure. Um, basically, Northern Voices uh, is a school that teaches deaf children how to speak and listen using their cochlear implants and hearing aids. My daughter graduated from that program a couple years ago and pretty much changed her life. How old is she? Uh, she's eight, eight years old now. Okay. So was it kind of like you see those YouTube videos of the kids getting the cochlear implant turned on? Was, was that, I mean, well, that must have been life-changing for her. You, you know, what they what they typically do in those situations is they, they introduce sound slowly to the child because mm -hmm. it's just so shocking all of a sudden to have a sense come to you. you right. Know? So, Unimaginable. Right. So she did, you know, it's we call it the head turns. She would turn and look at us, and that was the kind of like the acknowledgement that she heard us for the first right. time. Um, wow. And that happened when she was a year and a half. She was implanted. Okay. So um, fast forward a couple of years. Um, she's three. She knows probably maybe a handful of words, if that. Mm -hmm. And um, we've been working with our local school district, and they're teaching her total communication, which is lip reading, sign language. Sure. And, and vocalization as well. Mm -hmm. um, and we wanted to do more. So Northern Voices came to us. We talked to them. And they're like, it's all speech. We're going to teach your daughter how to speak. And we're like, wow. let's do it. So Awesome. Um, At what point did you decide that they were somebody that you wanted to fundraise for? What was... I just wanted to do something, give something back to them. They're a private school. They receive nothing from the state. Mm -hmm. um, they rely solely on tuition from the students. And I can tell you that every student there gets a grant. They're on a shoestring budget. And I wanted to do something to help them. Their teachers are absolutely amazing. So I wanted to parlay cars and coffee in a way to somehow raise money for the school. And that's why I came up with the cannonball. It's awesome. So, and it's so far, I mean, do you know the grand total of all the rallies that you've done? What what you've been able to raise? or um, Probably about 60000 I bet. That's awesome. Yeah, that's yeah, absolutely 50, fantastic. 60, somewhere on there. Uh, how, what's, the, what's the tuition cost? 30000 a year. Okay. That's, that's incredible. That's, that's, yeah. that's just from August to May, through May. And it's for that's this isn't this is preschool. This is you know, a child yeah. comes when they're usually two or three. Yep. And basically the school gets them ready to mainstream into kindergarten. So how can people find out more about the rally and uh cannonball, cannonballrally.com. Um with a K. With a K, exactly. Yep. And they can uh links up right to Northern Voices. Northern Voices is right in Roseville and um yeah, they're just a wonderful school. So we are forever indebted to them. So tell us about Very a little cool. bit about the rally itself. Yeah, well so the rally I do three rallies now. So the big one here locally is called the Cannonball, and uh, that's on June 2nd. And we'll have 125 cars partaking in a, basically a full day of fun. You guys basically sell out every year now, oh, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're, you're, you sell out. Yeah, it's been sold out now for about four or five months at least. So Wow. Um, and this is your fourth year or fifth year? This will be the fourth. Okay. Yeah, fourth year. Um, and this will do uh, 300 miles. This format's going to be a little bit different this year. Uh, we're going to have a lot of checkpoints. Um, basically, we don't want cars all arriving at the same checkpoint at the same mm -hmm. time. At the same time. Yeah. So we learned a valuable lesson Got a little crowded <laughs> yeah. at times. Yeah. 
And for some people that may not know the cannonball fun, as you call it, it's mm-hmm. a, a play on the cannonball run. Correct. Yeah. Of uh, back in the seventies, sixties. When was that? Eighty-one, I think. Was eighty-one? Yeah. Okay. Because there was the movie and then the actual cannonball. So one oh, thing yeah, I really sorry. like about your rally is that you know up until I heard about yours, all you hear about is like the bull run and like gold rush and all this other stuff, which just seems like a complete fuck show. Right. I mean, these <laughs> these rallies just seem like uh, just they're way out there. They spend a ton of money. It's all supercars. But that's not exactly how your rally is. It's more of a, anybody can come do this. Mm-hmm. It's, and it's, it's exactly more approachable, right. I, wanted, I would say. I wanted the complete opposite of that. I don't I don't want the VIP rooms. I don't care about the bottle service. It's a waste it's of the, money in your position. Yeah. For me, I don't care what you drive. If you're a genuinely nice person who wants to help out a local school, come on, help. Let's let's do the rally. It's so I've got cars from. Lamborghinis to a smart car just signed. <laughs> this, this, you told me you didn't tell me what he drove, but he actually just told me now he's got a smart car, which is kind of funny. Right on. So um, huge gamut, full gamut of different cars. Mm-hmm. So it's it's pretty cool. All I care about is the people. It's yeah. it's all about the people for me. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I I went for my first time last year, and my wife and I went, and she wasn't sure if she wanted to go. I'm like, just come with me; it'll be fun. And we had we had a great time. Um, I'm gonna do it again this year. I'm really excited. I think I'm going to take the, I'm still undecided whether I'm going to take the 911 or the wagon. Um, just cause, or the BMW now, or I could take the BMW now. Actually, be actually one. be a, a, a good rally car to, to I use. So. I just, you know, it, I just worry about the just getting just tired of the 911. Six, getting, seven hours. Yeah. yeah. Gonna, it's, <laughs> I don't yeah. mind driving the car that long, obviously. Right. Right. But the bride on the other hand, I, right. I took her out in it to, when she was pregnant to drive to Georgia once, that didn't last very long. She was out of my car and in someone else's car pretty quick. Did you have the red key or black key for that? <laughs> <laughs> well, I had the red deck lid. I had the red deck lid, yeah. but it didn't matter. She bailed anyway. So Yeah, and I've been on the cannonball uh, yeah. two years now. It's been great fun. Uh, my wife, Nikki, was actually the one that was like pushing us to go the next year. So Awesome. Yeah, it is, it's fun for, for everyone, I would say. Yeah. It's um, a family event. We bring kids can come along. It's, absolutely. It's, uh, it's, it's a really good time. And like you said, it's a great cause. Yeah. So I would like to rewind a little bit, though, and talk about cars and coffee as yeah. well. We had uh, Lewis in the studio a few weeks ago. Yeah. And you and him uh, kind of both co-founded the local Minnesota chapter of Cars and Coffee. And for those that may not know, it is, I mean, there are different cars and coffee events around different cities, right? Yeah, every major market's got a cars and coffee. Not, okay. l- not like this one, though. This is no. the biggest in the country. Yeah, we've right. got the, it's the biggest now. Which is crazy, if you it's think about nice. it. I know, yeah. Minnesota. Considering about some of the other, you know, uh, demographics in different cities and stuff like that, like Los Angeles or something like say, that. For whatever reason, you'd assume it'd be LA or somewhere around the, there. People underestimate the car scene here. You look at what Back to the 50s was here and Carcraft was here. Now I don't remember what Carcraft is called now, but it's a mecca here for cars. Street Machine? Street Machine Nationals, whatever it's so. called. But there, there's a really huge following here. And I think a lot of people come from far away too. It's five state. Yeah. yeah I mean, we've had Dakotas and Iowa and Wisconsin will wow. come. We brought guys from Winnipeg came down. Yeah. that they, Those guys... And they're going to drive down this year, yeah, too. Exactly, yeah. And wow. uh, so it, it really does have a regional draw. So if you're anywhere in the, you know, within, what, six, 800 miles of here, mm-hmm. it could be a good weekend for you yeah. to, uh, to to come on down and, and see it. Absolutely. So I did uh, post about having you here on Facebook, and I got an interesting question from somebody. They want to know what – they want to get some insight on the Hello Kitty relationship. Because <laughs> if you look at – I mean, you've got Hello Kitty stickers on the on the Dodge, so I'm just kind of wondering. I did not have any no. It was <laughs> the did. cannonballers. I thought I saw it. No, the cannonballers. Us were the ones that put the Hello Kitty oh, stickers okay. on yeah, the no, Dodge. No, no. Yeah. So you're not the fan of Hello Kitty. No. And I, I hate it. 
<laughs> okay, well, that's And good. I wish people would just let drop it, die, it, but they don't. Yeah. They okay. keep it alive. Well, it's the Hell Cat and Hello Kitty. Yeah. So they <laughs> last, uh, last Cannonball, I was busy just obviously with Cars. It was actually last June was the first Cars and Coffee at Canterbury yep. Park. And that's where we launched the... Same day as the Cannonball. Yep. So it was literally the busiest day of my life. <laughs> I'm running around like crazy. I come back to my car and it is covered with probably, I don't know, a good 200 Hello Kitty decals. Yep. Oh, man. It, I was I, I was just so <laughs> I was so tired and I just couldn't believe my eyes what I saw. But I was like, okay, well, that's <laughs> pretty good. I'm going to get you back, of course. So. <laughs> anyway, so you I, guys have a all the Cannonball crew. It's 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 kind of like a family. It seems like it is. It's a, like a whole the, hodgepodge of different people, which is cracks me up when I just get together with these people. We We get together pretty much every every month. And do something. Yeah, that's that's. I really, I do really, really like seeing that. Yeah. So, um, do you have any uh, anecdotes or any stories from some of the rallies that you want to share? What's you know, it's funny. I said I changed up the format this year, mainly because of last year we uh, had a checkpoint at Taylor's Falls where everyone got to do the alpine slide. Yes. Um, two teams got there much quicker than the rest of the crew. Okay. And of course, the local authorities went to the scene. Uh, the problem was how much quicker. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not going to say. I, I I don't know for sure. I just hear hearsay. Anyway, so problem was is that when the authorities came, those two teams were long gone. Mm-hmm. They're already oh, they're already okay. gone and way, they're way far away. Because the majority of people that do the rally are it's just for fun. It's just chill. Yeah. It's just chill. Exactly. Of course, time, with, as relax. with any group, you get people that do dumb shit. But exactly. the majority of the group is really chill. Yeah. So anyway, so then everyone else kind of got punished. So they held the road blocked them. Mm-hmm. It, I was part of that. Yeah, you were part of that. Okay, and uh, I was I, I I missed that somehow. Yeah, so it, that was too bad because they kind of ruined it for everyone else. So this year it's gonna be a little bit different where that's not gonna be not gonna happen. Yes, <clears throat> and you had a story you were kind of telling a little while ago too that, yeah, the, that sounded good. I made you stop because <laughs> I didn't want to hear the whole story, but I, I'd like to hear it now. Two years ago, yes, we uh, one of the checkpoints was Rock Falls Drag Strip, and so I'd run it out the facility for that afternoon, which is what an hour forty five yeah. an hour. East of here on 94. Yeah, it's, a, it's a quarter yeah, mile drag sure. strip. Quarter mile drag strip. Um, of course, the second we get there, it starts downpouring. <laughs> so obviously we can't do anything. So now I'm turning teams away as they're coming. And um, Lewis, my my co-founder buddy, he was nice enough to help out that day. Drove all the way out there to help me kind of with run some of the cars and stuff. And right when he gets there, it starts downpouring. And I'm like, sorry, dude, just... I'll meet you. The ch- I'll meet you at the finish line. Just go mm-hmm. there, and I'll, we'll, we'll talk to you later. Sure. And as he's leaving, you know, he's you know how Lewis is just so meticulous about his car, and it's yeah, just absolutely in perfect condition. He's driving out, and one of the teams in a WRX had a rally moment. Uh oh. Decides to swerve, good 30, 40 feet in Lewis's direction, right into a mud puddle. Oh no! And <gasps> sent a tidal wave of mud. Over Lewis's car. Did oh, they know man. Lewis? No. No, they <laughs> just oh, they didn't know. They didn't know that he was with me. Was he in his M3? No, he no, was, was in the 911. GT3. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so he just piled them up with oh, mud. It was not good. Yeah. So he, oh, you know, he was, one, he was hungry. You know, he's, he's, he's always he hungry. He was hangry, right? You know, I saw he's an article in, uh, in, uh, online that talked about a guy who broke into a house and got caught <laughs> in a bathtub eating the Cheetos of the person that lived there. And I thought that might be Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, where are you going with this? <laughs> he loves Cheetos. Anyway, sorry for that sidebar. I didn't know that. That's good. Um, <laughs> you need to bring a bag to him next time. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Uh, yeah. So anyway, yeah. So he was. Uh, it was a. It was a bad day for Lewis. Yeah. yeah. I thought you were gonna say something like he he went down the drag strip anyways or something to no, that effect. No. But okay, no. that's a much different outcome. Because right when he got there, the 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 snack bar had just closed. <laughs> <laughs> so he was he was very upset about that. And then it starts pouring rain, and then he gets mud puddled. Right. So oh my goodness. It was just the trifecta. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> Not good. And the poor GT3. Right. Oh, yeah. Man. Well, before we get get into some news, what have you got for us, Jake? Yeah, I'd like to talk about another one of our sponsors, South Central Imports. You guys have heard me talk about them before. They are a exclusive Volkswagen Audi shop, and they have been around since 1976. They're an authorized Revo software dealer with the integrity and honesty that really sets them apart. They're going to be sure that you're treated right when you come to them as a customer. You can find them on Facebook at SCI Performance or by calling them at 612-722-8897. All right. So I've got a news story here. I'm going to skip one. I just saw, just so All you right. know. Um, this is great. You will love this. And I think everybody that's listening will love this. And I didn't really see this up in the news much. So I'm really excited to share that automakers are thinking of making 95 octane the standard for premium. Hmm. I'll read a little bit here. And this was uh, uh, also Congress is working with the automakers. In testimony Friday before the House Energy and Commerce Committee's Environment Subcommittee, boy, there's a lot of committee. That's a lot of committee. Yeah. Dan Nicholson, General Motors Vice President of Global Propulsion Systems. That's a cool job title, isn't it? I was thinking propulsion systems. They opened the door up there for for everything else to come. Said making 95 octane the new regular aligns the U.S. with Europe and is one of the most affordable ways to boost fuel economy and lower greenhouse gas emissions. Blah, blah, blah. They're going to work with the United States Council for Automotive Research. They're seeking just one grade of fuel, 95. Oh, so you're not going to have tiers. That would Well, the thought is that they'll maybe do that, but they'll also have 91 is now going to be regular. Oh, which would be for a guy that drives a classic car having 95 octane all the time would be great because I go to the well you uh, I mix the difference is you have a high compression right well they do too that's why they want to run the higher compression in the cars right so it's more efficient right a lot of cars aren't going to necessarily see even new cars aren't the the map is not made for 95 octane so they're not going to and it it'll um it'll adjust to it but not that much no but the new cars that are coming out that'll be a higher they'll compression be able to do it direct ingestion blah 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 I was going to say to get really nerdy and technical sometimes it's actually a detriment to run a higher octane not necessarily a detriment but you're not going to gain anything because what the octane rating does it's actually the resistance to detonation in the engine sure so it's only benefiting you if you need that resistance to detonation like for instance on a lot of two cycles you want to run the lower octane because it'll burn quicker and have uh-huh. more flame propulsion i forget the term um, expansion yeah there's this technical expansion. term for that propulsion yeah, propulsion again exactly so it, but yeah anyways it, it, this will make the auto manufacturers able to produce Higher compression engines. When I was a kid, boost. I remember like driving around. What, what did I have? I'll just pick a car. I had like a, I had a Ford Probe. Okay. So that's what I had. Did you I, actually have a Ford Probe? I did. I did have a Ford you Probe. Said and you it was, just picked a car. It was not. <laughs> of all the cars I've owned, which right. is, I've probably owned 50 cars. We talked so about this. Many, once. many cars. Yeah. So just for example, Ford Probe um, it was the one that had the, the Ford logo like screwed to the top of the Mazda logo. Oh, right. Because oh, yeah. this is just yeah. rebadged. I, I would put, premium in that thing and in my head you i was faster oh, yeah. oh, i was yeah. faster because i put that yep. that, totally that premium yeah fun fact it's it's not doing anything i know anyway I, I really would love to see 95 octane everywhere um it would be great for you know let's say you have like a 180 and all of a sudden you can do a tune for 95 octane right for some some of the older cars do you think this is maybe big oil's chance to maybe try to delay some of the electric expansion 
That's a good point. There might be some ulterior motives here because it has to be refined further, I would assume. I think that um, all of this, like you're going to see, I think there's another new story that I can't remember because I'm brainless, but there's still stuff going on with uh, gasoline that people are starting to advance technologies and do things that I'm not sure if all this is going to happen quite as soon as I thought it would, mm -hmm. especially when you see like all the stuff going on with Tesla and the crashing and Uber and the crashing and all this stuff and the lithium supplies and the reserves aren't there to manufacture the batteries. It might be as much as everybody's trying to force it, like by 2022, 2025, we're going to have all these cars. I'm not sure. Hold on. Hold on. Chris, are you becoming more optimistic? <laughs> a little bit. Look at this. I'm becoming a little bit it more optimistic. It must be the sunshine now lately. Yes. Yeah. That's what, <laughs> that's what it is. Um, I still think we're, we're fucked inevitably. <laughs> Yeah, it's all the <laughs> weed from the apartment down the way. Yeah, Jesus, there's like an entire grow room over there, I think. Um, which is one of the reasons why we're moving. Well, you didn't, we never mentioned that. Well, we're moving. They yeah, mentioned okay. it. Um, <laughs> in another, I remember what the story was. It's, uh, it's the next one. Chevy owners can now pay for gas without getting out of their car. And um, it's basically stuff you did not even know that you needed. And when I first read this article, I thought it was going to be, uh, you get into your cast and there's like going to be some arm yeah, that comes exactly out. Yeah, what I and, like, thought was going to happen. Yep. Top Gear did a thing about that. They you did. guys remember that? Yeah, where the truck drives by. Yeah. I thought it was going to be you like pull up to the gas station, a little mechanical arm comes up, opens the little door, maybe it's got a little rubber thing, <laughs> goes, boop, boop, <laughs> and like opens the door and fills up the gas tank. No, no, all it is is like Apple Pay. There's like a oh, touchpad oh. on your thing. So, so wait, that's a misnomer then that you don't have is. to get out of your car. That's what it You're says. Still gonna well, here's what it says. Chevy owners can now pay for gas without okay. getting out of the car. So that's what the article says. But how hard is it to just swipe your card? Because yeah. you, you got to pump the gas anyway. So you, you Un swipe the card, you're pump in the gas. What, Oregon or what, where, what state was it where they just... Uh, Portland, yeah, Oregon, yeah. Remember well, we talked about that now. story? Yeah, what, what happened there? I forgot. They uh, finally, it used to be a law, and I think it was Oregon, that you couldn't pump your own gas. That's so right. every gas had, gas had gas station attendance. And when they revoked this law and said, okay, you can pump your own gas, everyone was going nuts because they thought this was such a dangerous right. thing. They didn't grow up doing it. And so everyone was freaking out. And it's like, you guys, everyone else yeah. pumps their gas. So I don't understand out. what the point of this is. What's the point? Well, well why well, why are you talking about it then? That's because <laughs> I want to bitch about it. I'm going to say one thing. Just being from Minnesota, it's freezing cold, right? But you still have to pump the gas. I know, but you swipe your card. Then you have to enter your zip code. Right. Yeah, then I don't you like have that to Is this a debit no, card? No for a receipt. <laughs> Is this a debit no card? No for a car wash. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, a debit a, card, that's a valid right? point. That's a valid point. So it, I hate entering my zip code. I hate that. It takes too long. There should be a thing where if you go to a gas station enough times, you should yeah. be like, wow, this guy's been here 67 times. Right. We don't need a zip I think code the anymore. Zip, card, zip code verification is rather new now, actually. Because I never had to do the zip code if I was in my own zip code. Because you're in Woodbury. That's why. If you were in the gas stations in Minneapolis, yeah. or North Minneapolis, you they all require they're, okay. they're all prepaid. <laughs> yeah, they're all prepaid. Okay. They all require There we go. Different well, part of uh, town. Go ahead. All right. Toyota wants cars to talk by 2021, Chris. That's the headline. This is another misleading headline. Yes, it is. Because I immediately clicked on this. I'm like, oh, my car wants to talk to me. It's yeah. going to be like Knight Rider. Right. But and you sent me this link as well. And I was, I was like, so excited. Oh, sweet. And I even thought back in uh, the 80s, manufacturers started to do this where you'd open the door. And I think it was a Buick. One of my buddies in high school had one of these old cars. -car? Wasn't it a K-car? Yeah, yeah, I think it was. And it's like super old tech, but it was like, oh, that's so cool. It's like, welcome to your Buick or something like that. But then that's if it was what I broken, it would just keep repeating things. It was like gas level low, gas level low, <laughs> gas level low. He's like, it's not though. But no. Is that the same car that had the screen? 
in it. Like no, I think actual, it did. Like, yeah, it was a digital readout. Yeah, it looks like it was like Oregon Trail would also be played <laughs> yes. on the screen. <laughs> Same graphics. Yeah. Do you remember the Buick Riata? Remember, that might have been one that you're talking about, too. That was I think pretty it is. digitalized. Like, the whole dashboard was all digitalized. I think or you're digitized. right. It was something yeah. like that. Same yeah. era. Anyway, yeah, it was. For sure. It was awesome. Sure. Uh, but no, what they're saying is they want cars to talk to each other. Right. In other sense... Well, I love your comment here. Well, that's boring. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as soon as I read the article, I was like, oh, man. Yeah, so basically they want to have sensors in the technology where when your car is on the freeway or anywhere on the road with another car that has this technology, they can basically have communication lines as far as like speed, proximity, et right. cetera, to help avoid crashes and be more In 1999, efficient. the Congress reserved 5.9 gigahertz for vehicle-to-vehicle and vehicle-to-infrastructure uh, communication. So I'm not sure what to infrastructure means. Well, because um, they might have sensors along the freeway then too that right. would be able to communicate with these vehicles. Yeah, so there have radio ban already set aside for this and the U.S. Department of Transportation is going to decide whether to adopt a pending proposal that require all future vehicles to have this technology. So this is just another $250 on the top of the cost of the record cost of a car. I think average cost is like 30 something thousand dollars now. Just, just another thing that they're stacking on top that nobody really needs. Yeah. Well, and I, I wonder if this is going to have to be, I mean, like you kind of alluded to, it's, it's, we're, we're still pretty far out from level five autonomous driving. Right. And so I wonder if this is another tool that's going to be necessary, basically, to, to get, get us there. there reliably. That's a good point. Which would make sense. But uh, two notes, you had a comment. Well, I wonder if this can be hacked then, because now all of a sudden you're transferring data over the airwaves. It's got to be open. Well, it can't the answer be encrypted. is, of course, it can. Right. So all of a sudden, you're going to hack the car behind you to say you're slamming on your brakes, and it's just going to be... Burp, yeah, I don't just know. To, I just, I'm, not a, I'm not a big fan of it. I also don't like the fact that it's going to talk to infrastructure. I don't know what that means. You know, right. I, don't, I don't necessarily need the infrastructure knowing where I am at all times. Right. Well, I'm and not it, a big fan of that. My or question, how fast you're going. Or how fast you're going. True. Yeah, there's no... You, you can't play ignorant then. No, well, it says right here that the Bob's uh, Jeep up there set, told me you were going right. 77 and a 35. Yeah, and uh, you know I didn't even think of that, but my big question then is at what point are they going to say, okay, well, now even to use this freeway, your car has to have this technology, right? They're only going to require it on new cars for a while, but then 10, 15 years down the line. Just like backup cameras are now mandatory. Right, right but that's mandatory on all new cars. They'll be godfathered in, I think. We're safe. You would hope so. Hopefully. Yeah. Are you, is your 911 going to have to be retrofitted? No, with it won't be retrofitted, now? but there will be, it will be like, well, these roads require this. I was going to say like a toll oh, road right. or something. There'll be either toll roads or be within like the 494, 694 loop that we have here in Minneapolis. Yep. Uh, within that loop, you will not be able to drive cars that don't have this tech. It's so like in Europe, Tyler, we talked about this a few weeks ago. A lot of, uh, not a lot, but some European countries are already banning diesel cars in city limits. So there's a precedent set for needing some certain type of technology in order to use the roadway. Yeah, so, makes sense. so we'll see how it goes. Um, Dodge, this next story, this, this I'm going to preface, is for you. Oh, thanks. I actually love, I like the story too. Um, Dodge Hellcat busted dude in 160 on the Indiana Turnpike. Um, this is the cop, quote, Eggert purportedly saw the headcat weaving in and out of traffic without using turn signals as it moved around slower vehicles. Sergeant Ted Boehner said in a written statement, Eggert's speed to... Eggert sped up to catch up with the Hellcat and soon found himself driving 150 miles an hour as the Hellcat continued to pull away. <laughs> with the 707 horsepower Dodge moving so quickly, Eggert radioed ahead for the other troopers to watch for it. Eggert eventually caught the Hellcat after, after it found itself behind two semis driving next to each other. 
And the point is, he can't beat the radio. No. <laughs> <laughs> or the roadblock semi-trucks. Yeah, 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 yeah. absolutely. Um, the driver of the vehicle, a 36-year-old Wisconsin man, oh. of course. <laughs> I was going to say, that makes sense. I can consider myself a Minnesota man now, right? I've officially lived here. No, no, no. Well, I lived who do you, in... Who do you cheer for? Vikings or Packers? You're the Minnesota Packer Wild. Fan. Right. Get okay, out there here. you go. <laughs> Um, the driver was a 36-year-old Wisconsin man, was driving on an expired driver's license. <laughs> the driver then told the police he was driving more than 160 miles per hour and was trying to get to Maryland. <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious if there's any substances involved in this. That's fantastic. Wow. <laughs> the driver told police he had recently bought the car and wanted to show his friends riding with him what the powerful engine could do. Because the toll road was empty, he figured it would be safe. Well, he says the toll road was empty, but the cops sees driving through traffic, <laughs> and he gets set up with a roadblock. Oh man! Yeah. Well, I, I. So I'm trying to figure out the logistics here. He's with his buddy, trying to figure out how fast it goes. But he's from Wisconsin. They're going to Maryland, and where did he say this was? Indiana. <laughs> how long was he showing off right to his friend, though? Well, at 160, <laughs> it wouldn't take that long yeah, to get there from Milwaukee. <laughs> so I was going to wonder on a uh, on that closed road in Mexico that you visit every once in a while. What's the fastest you've had yours going? <laughs> um, probably about 160. Really? Is, yeah, what's the limiter on it? 199. No shit. Yeah, that's really weird. <laughs> wow. So at 160, were you just kind of like, yeah, okay, that's that's good enough. It was, yeah, it was literally, there was, it was late at night. There's no one on the road. And I just, in Mexico. In, in Mexico. Mexico. It was a quick jaunt down to Tijuana, said hello, on the way back. <laughs> it, it can't was, take uh, that long to get to 160. No, no, no. no. Not it, with it really, 700 horsepower. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. I was, yeah, blown away and how quickly it happens. Did you go through a set of tires yet owning that? I have, yeah. <laughs> only reason being is that car, for some odd reason, the guy who built it, who specced it out, the, the general manager when he ordered it, yeah. ordered it with all-season tires. Oh, great. <laughs> that's, okay. that's wonderful. So I smoked through those in about, you know, there's that break-in period where you can't do anything for the okay. first, they say, 500 or 1,000 miles, depending on yeah. what you want to do. Um, after only that point, 300 horsepower available at that right. time. <laughs> so then I got through those, and then... Um, was able to get a new set of actual winter. So did you actually me, just, summer tires. just do brake stands until they were gone or just kind of fooled around with them and didn't um, worry about tread wear? No, I actually had a friend who wanted them, so I didn't I didn't destroy them oh, too badly. Okay. So I, I just gave them to him. Should have so. given them to him bald and be like, sorry, guy. <laughs> I, I, can't, I can't handle it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so we've we've skipped Tesla news a couple times for like three weeks, and yeah. it's really piling up. So I want to just rifle, let's go through this as fast as we can. All right. I'm honestly getting a little tired of Tesla, but this is almost too good to pass up. Okay. Well, Model 3 production is cut again. Yep. So they haven't met their numbers, as we know. Yep. Um, autopilot will never be perfect, but promises to be profitable by the end of the year. Those are two separate line items here. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, he said autopilot. That's his response to you know some of the crashes. Oh, he, he just says right, autopilot okay. will never be perfect. Yeah, it's like backpedaling a little bit. Yeah, um, he is because the whole point of autopilot is to be better than humans who make errors. Right. So what's and if the it's point not perfect, there? what's the point? So right. the Economist tweeted: Tesla will need two point five billion dollars to three point five billion dollars this year, according to Jeffries, a bank. And Elon Musk tweeted back. The Economist used to be a boring. Now I'm going to try and do my best impression of someone else we can think of. The Economist used to be boring, but smart with a wicked dry wit. Now it's just boring. Tesla will be profitable. You forgot in cash the best flow. part there. <sighs> Sigh. <laughs> he wrote sigh. Yeah. Now it's just in boring. The tweet. Sigh. Tesla will be profitable in cash flow in Q3 and Q4. So obviously no need to raise money. Bigly. 
Yeah, it's just this weird projection all of a sudden of like Trumpisms and like, I don't know. Dude, just shut up. He sounds like Trump. Yeah, (laughs) he does. Tweeting and and his anti-media and everything that he is is super, super Trump. It's just, it doesn't, I don't, I don't really get it, but. I don't either. Like, is this a strategy of his? I don't know. Okay. In 2016, when I, this is something I found, but in 2016, okay. when on the heels of the first fatal U.S. autopilot crash in Florida, Musk fired back at reporters criticizing the system, quote, because, and really you need to think carefully about this, because if in writing some article that's negative, you effectively dissuade people from using the autonomous vehicle, you're actually killing people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so don't, on, man. don't criticize our product because you're going to be killing people by not allowing them to buy autonomous cars it's silly yeah i don't know anyway um there was another one other item here that i'm trying to remember that you we don't have on the show notes um that i want to announce to our listeners okay so we have overcrest stickers for sale on the website yep and uh i I think they're only a few bucks whatever it is um but we are going to put up an option for three thousand dollars (laughs) more Okay, so if you buy a sticker and then add on the $3,000 option, you can put the sticker on your car. It's some new secret technology, and we're working on the software right now that your car will be fully autonomous by using this sticker, okay? We don't have it ready quite yet, but you pay $3,000, put it on your car, and then when we get to it, it'll be available. And that's an option that you can buy on your Tesla. It's so, not fully autonomous yet, but if you pay $3,000, whenever the technology is there, they'll update the software and your car will be so autonomous. So it sounds ridiculous when I said it. It's just as ridiculous to offer that as... And people are buying it like... Yeah, because when you're specking out your thing, of course, you're going to check the box for three grand more that says, well, now I have the hardware to maybe use autonomous vehicles or Why know, the technology. You do that? Right. But as a business model, it's so stupid. It's just... it. it it underscores the pyramid scheme nature of all this. Have you guys seen a Tesla three up close? Yes. N- no. I saw one on the freeway. Actually, I took a few pictures. One came to Cars and Coffee a couple weeks ago. Oh yeah. 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 What What'd are your you thoughts think? on it? Um, it, it's not an attractive car. They're not, and I know it doesn't need a grill. It doesn't need yet. Yeah, but does, put something there for the f- sake of it. styling. It looks like an egg. It's like it's just. A weird, it's like a. It looks like a weird like mouthless fish or like. You ever, remember, in, remember in the Guppy. Matrix there you go. when uh, Agent Smith like closes, ne- closes Neo's mouth yes. and you can't see. That's exactly what it looks like. exactly what it looks like because he doesn't have a mouth anymore. Yep. It looks ridiculous on a human and it looks ridiculous on a car. It does. Although it would probably help a Miata out. They're stupid smiley face Miata No, it's so great. That's what makes Miata great. So you should put a Miata front end on your Tesla Model 3. That'll make it better. Yeah, that'll do it. What about decals? Could you do a decal grills? Like of a smiling, like, yes. tooth-filled Like a Ram, Ram pickup truck front grill on... Oh, that'd be There's cool. a business There's opportunity a right business there. Opportunity. Yeah. Just, oh, I just like vinyl grills. Yeah. Yeah. For your Teslas. <laughs> we'll split the profits. Okay. No problem. Um, so we're just going to go... Uh, before we go into... So I'm going to give you a second to think about this, but I want to know what your top three cars are. So a daily driver, and then the other two, I don't care. Okay. Basically. But th- these are like your, your ultimate cars, right? So these are the three cars you're gonna have for the rest of your life, and they can. There's no. There's no price cap. Nothing. But one, one of them, them you got a daily drive. You have every to day. daily drive. Okay. So why don't you uh, go on with uh, with the next? Yeah. Well, we we always like to uh, give our sponsors a shout out who are supporting the show. Uh, Further Performance is one of those. They're a great shop here, right in the Twin Cities. Um, they're automotive specialists who truly love European cars 
and that's why they're in the business. They're passionate about driving and are passionate about your cars, so you can trust them to bring your cars to them. Now, whether it's for a full restoration, maintenance, or a big horsepower engine build, these guys know what they're doing. You can find them at fptuned.com. That's F-P-T-U-N-E-D.com. What have you got for us? What's your top three? Um, let's see. My first, you know, I'd probably have to be a, obviously a Porsche, so I'd go with the probably I want a nine thirty five. Okay, I'd probably do. That's your um, daily driver. No, I was no, no. Say, are we starting with the daily? <laughs> no. <laughs> do you have a specific nine thirty five that you know? You... Paul, Paul Newman's Hawaiian okay. Tropic. Yeah, I know that car well. The red one. Mm-hmm. That's what I would do. That would be one of mine for sure. Top three. Uh, there would be cliche, but it would be a Countach from Cannonball Run, black yes. one, just because. Spoiler it's, or no. It, Mm. That's always the big question. It is. Um, I, I like the spoiler, and I, okay. and I would do Just a double spoiler. I would do the front, you know, the, the oh yeah, front they lifts, have they the, the double spoiler. Yeah, one on the front and one on the back. That's just you don't want me. the one from the movie where what was it red and then you hose it off and, and it's that was white. fantastic. Yeah, <laughs> that was from Cannibal Run Two, I believe. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have a, a, a confession to make. What's that? I have not seen either Cannonball Original One. I got to go. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I haven't seen either that one. It's disappointing. I've got them both on Blu-ray. Okay. We'll yeah. have to have a movie night Please. or something. Yeah. I, you need to. It's They're fantastic. We'll do something at the new space. We'll have some okay. people over and watch. I like that idea watch, a lot. Watch the movies. I was six when that movie came out. Cannonball Run, the first one. Okay. Yeah. And I saw that movie in the theater probably at least 10 times. I'm not joking. <laughs> That's how much I was in love with. Who took you? That's awesome. My, so my dad would go. He'd go to a different movie and leave me. <laughs> Are you serious? My... That's Marble awesome. Red Smoking Father. He would, he and my sister would go to a different movie. I'd be next door, Cannonball Run by myself. And I'm not joking. I saw it at least probably 10 times in the theater. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I have fun. another confession to make. What's that? I saw Titanic almost 10 times. What? <laughs> my girlfriend at the time oh. would drag my ass to that stupid movie. You saw it in the theater 10 times? Saw it in the theater oh. 10 times. And I had to pay for both tickets both times. All 10 times. And that was what, four hour movie? Remember, Three it was movie. They had intermission. Movie. Remember the intermission in between? I don't remember that. Yeah, you, they, I never I saw it in a lot of repressed memories. I don't know if it was ten times, but it was more than five. That it sounds was, terrible. And she wasn't even that great. I was going to say, did you? I'm not going to go there. But yeah, it, <laughs> it was not worth. It. I was going to yeah, say, was she a red key or a black key kind of girl? <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say she's a brown key, but then I just I didn't That's I didn't realize totally what that alluded to. <laughs> totally different key that one. All so, right, no. Oh hold my on. daily. That's only three. You my, need your daily. Oh, yeah. What do we got? <laughs> my daily. I would that would take a. I do the Ford Falcon from Mad Max. Wow. Okay. That would be my daily. That would be your daily driver. That's, that just popped into my head, and that's what I would daily. No regrets. Perfect. No regrets. No regrets. Perfect. I'm pretty sure there's a back seat in there for my girl, so I think it's... That'll work. Be you okay. can always work one out and put one right. in there. That would, I would daily that. That's perfect. Thanks. I love that. Well, Tyler, it's been great having you on. Thanks, guys. Um, Everybody, go take uh, first... The Cars and Coffees are the first Saturday of every month. Yes, it is. And uh, where can they find out about the Cannonball Rally again? Uh, Cannonball Rally with a K... Dot com, cannonballrally.com. Check it out, guys. Absolutely. We'll Thank see. you. I was going to say, we'll see you next week. Are you ready? I just said absolutely. All right. Yeah. Take care, guys. Thank you.